0: Welcome to Gossip Pro,
1: the show where we break the silence
0: and amass the professional world.
1: I'm your host AC
0: and I'm her partner in crime, Chase.
1: So tune in, learn and evolve
0: and sidestep those professional pitfalls.
1: Welcome to another episode of Gossip Pro. And in today's episode, we'll be discussing interviews. Are interviews your arch nemesis? Do nerves and anxiety make a guest appearance every time you face an interview? Fear not. We're here to help you on your journey to interview success. Let's dive in. Chase, do you get nervous every time you do an interview?
0: I think everyone gets nervous when they do an interview, no? Yeah. Don't you get nervous?
1: I do. I get really nervous.
0: For me, definitely the nerves played the bigger part earlier on in my career. But as time sort of passed and then I became an interviewer and I held many interviews myself, I sort of calmed down a little bit. I relaxed with it because I understood that it wasn't just the person being interviewed that was nervous. I actually saw a lot of people that were conducting the interviews. They were quite nervous as well.
1: Oh, really? Did you, did you get that vibe or?
0: Definitely. I mean, I presume you've held interviews as well. Did you ever feel any kind of performance anxiety?
1: Like if, if I haven't interviewed for a long time and then I have to interview, I'd get a bit nervous. Yeah. Because I want to make a good impression as well. I want them to feel comfortable. I want to make sure I'm asking the right questions. I want to find the right person.
0: Absolutely. And if it's something that you don't regularly do, then when you dive into it, you're almost taken aback by the emotions because you don't know how to control it. Mm. And because it's new, you're like, oh, my God, am I going to ask the right questions? What if they ask me a question and I can't answer it? What if I say the wrong thing? Yeah especially if you're part of a panel interview or if you're having to conduct an interview where HR is present, so they're pretty much auditing everything you say.
1: And you have to be careful what you ask in these interviews. I mean, I don't know if you've come across, I've been to some previous interviews it's been a long time now. But I had people asking me, are you married? Do you have children? Stuff like that. And I'm like, they're illegal. You shouldn't really be asking those kind of questions.
0: Any questions that exposes your protected characteristics yeah, is is a major concern. I've, I've had that before, actually. I, in fact, I had, I remember it was a director that was interviewing me. And he asked me the one question that I thought to myself, it's none of your business, my friend. And it was, are you married? Oh it's like what's that got to do with the fact that I'm interviewing for a position are you trying to work out if I'm straight are you trying to see if I've got a child maybe what is it that you mean by asking that question you kind of don't want to go down that route ever
1: I mean I know why they would be asking me that question it was quite a few male interviewers who I think were trying to work out if I was planning to have a child Mm. anytime soon or if I would be distracted at work. And I think that's the reason why they were asking.
0: I've actually spoken to many women who say that is one of the biggest bugbearers for them in interviews is when the interviewer, most of the time, when they're male, end up asking them the question or are you in a relationship or they try and find out are you married or are you going to get married soon and yeah
1: it's an awkward question i don't think it should be asked is can you do the job are you good fit for the company that's all that should matter
0: yeah absolutely I've had many team members who went away on paternity and they came back and they came back with a vengeance. In fact, they were so happy to be at work because it was something different for them. So I think to judge people based on that is just entirely wrong. And like you said, it's illegal.
1: Yeah, exactly. So shall we move on to what do you think is the purpose of an interview?
0: I think predominantly to find out if the candidate you're interviewing is right for the role and if they're going to fit in with the team that they're either going to be a part of or that they might end up managing and leading. What's your reason when you do interviews?
1: I mean, it's the same thing, to Mm. be honest. But I want to know if they can actually do the job. Mm. If they are going to be my direct report, I want to know if I can actually get on with them.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Because
1: we spend a lot of time at work.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you are the leader and you are going to be the direct line manager of this individual, like you said, AC, you're going to work very closely with this person. You need to know, A, does your personality match? And B, it's that trust element And I think a lot of leaders or managers or supervisors, the biggest thing for them is can they trust the person that they're either supervising, managing or leading?
1: Exactly. You make a good point. So moving on, do you think first impressions count?
0: I believe first impressions do count I mean most of the time I don't know what it's like for you but when I've conducted interviews within the first probably five to ten minutes I know whether or not the person is going to be a fit for the team and myself so I know whether they're going to be going on to the next stage it's just finding out are they fit for the role I mean what's it like with you
1: I think first impressions do count. Um, the first thing I'm looking at for, do they have a positive attitude? Mm. I'm a positive person. I like being surrounded by good energy and positivity. So if they've got a positive attitude, that already tells me, you know, they're interested in the role. The second thing I'm looking for in that first impression is can they build a rapport? Yeah. And that's quite important. Now, is there anything that will put you off someone, even if they've made a great impression for the first five minutes? Can that change?
0: Absolutely. It happened to me before where the individuals started to get so relaxed that their true personalities started coming out. And I thought to myself, okay, you were very good at masking yourself. And now that I know who you really are, yeah you're not going to be a good fit for this role (laughs) have you had that before where someone's sort of come across a certain way and then you started relaxing so they started relaxing and then all of a sudden you realize Hyde is out to play
1: yeah I mean I had one actually I realized at the second interview so the first interview they smashed it I was like wow this person's amazing by the second interview I started to see a different side to Mm -hmm. this person and I was like hmm concerning
0: yeah i mean what you find is if there is like a three-step process if they do really well in the first stage and you call them up and you say you know what i'm so excited to invite you for the second stage of this interview you gave us a very strong performance it's almost like sometimes people take that in and they come back for the second stage very cocky or they don't practice for it. They don't prepare as well as they did for the first stage. But then all of a sudden, when you bring in the extra people into the panel, the performance dips. And then your seniors turn around to you and say, What the hell was that? I thought you had better judgment.
1: You're like, But I did. <laughs> they did so well in the first interview.
0: Yeah, you're like, <laughs> Not the same person. I'm telling you, this wasn't the person I interviewed a week ago.
1: I mean, I've had a situation where someone actually didn't do as well on their first interview, but I saw potential, but no one else could see it. And so I took them over to the, the final stage with this other person that I was talking about. She smashed the second interview and she got the job. If I hadn't seen the potential and pushed through with it, she may not have got that job. So sometimes you've got to see, is there also potential in that person as well?
0: I agree. What I want to ask you really is what's more important for you? Is it the personality of the individual that you're interviewing or is it their experience and knowledge?
1: That's an interesting question. I think the personality is really important because that can play a part in how you can manage that person. But the experience is also important in the sense I want to know they can do the job. Now, with the experience, I don't mind hiring someone who doesn't fit every criteria. If I know they've got a positive attitude to learn, that's actually better because I know they're going to stick around and they're going to grow into the role versus someone who might have a lot of experience. And I I might be then thinking, are they going to outgrow the role really fast? And am I going to lose them? Then I have to do the recruitment process again. You know, all these things come into play.
0: I agree with that. For me, personality is key. If there's someone, like you said, who doesn't know certain things about the role or they're not as experienced as I would have liked. If they've got that can-do attitude, that's a winner for me. But it's also dependent on what resources is available to me at the company I am recruiting for. It could be that we're so understaffed, we've got so much to do that I kind of need someone to just come in and just hit the floor running.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I feel like sometimes that's that's a shame because I know I've got someone that I can really train up who will turn out to be absolutely amazing, but I can't choose them because I don't have the opportunity to bring them in and train them up the way I would like to.
1: Mm. So I guess it depends on the company and the culture and the resources available and how it's going to play out. and Maybe that's a good thing for the candidate as well. You're not getting recruited into a role where you're going to fail straight away. Like they're recruiting you because you are a perfect fit for that role. Yeah. And you won't always know that. So if you don't get the job, it's not always a bad thing, I think. It just means that role isn't for you and there's something better out there for you. That's a better fit.
0: Absolutely. It's like they say no means next opportunity.
1: What about Arrogance. Would that put you off a candidate?
0: It wouldn't fully put me off a candidate because I feel like you do need a tad bit of arrogance if you are someone who's confident and someone who's confident is usually very good at just getting on with the tasks. But if your arrogance is quite a significant portion of your personality, then I'm sorry, I definitely do not want you a part of my team because you're going to bring everyone else down. That's how I feel. How do you feel about arrogance?
1: I feel exactly the same as you. I think another thing that might put me off a candidate is if they're not prepared. If they come into the interview and they don't even know anything about your company or even the role, because I've seen that happen before, I'm thinking if you can't make the effort to know about this role and the company that you want to go for, then why am I wasting my time in this interview?
0: Absolutely. And this is a key thing to take away for a lot of junior people that are going to interview. Nine times out of ten... People who are interviewing for a junior role make the mistake of not doing the research for the company that they're going to interview for or the position itself. So you could win quite quickly by doing that when you go to your next interview. Look up the company, spend a little bit of time, understand what do they do, what services do they offer. Also, what position are you going for? If you're going for finance, understand the finances of the company. What markets do they play in? If you're going for marketing, look at their socials, understand areas that you will come in and improve.
1: And to add to that note, if your interviewer asks, how do you think we're performing? Be very careful how you respond to that because they don't want to hear all the negatives. Think about that carefully. This is their way of assessing whether you know how to give feedback. But what you want to do is give them a shit sandwich. So, you know, something good, something bad, something good. So start off with the positives. You do this well. Then move on to the next bit, which is, If you could improve, all the areas I've seen for improvement is these. And then end with something positive again. That just shows you know how to give good feedback.
0: It shows your state of mind as well, how you think about things. Like when someone says, oh, what's your weaknesses? Instead of saying... What do you think your areas of development are? Two different mindsets. Exactly like you said, AC That What the interviewer is doing is waiting to see, are you the type of person that can give that constructive feedback the right way? Or are you someone that's just going to sit there and say, well, you can't do this and you can't do that? Because they don't want that. And the reason why they don't want that is because they want a team that works together, gives each other constructive feedback, minus that emotional element that could potentially destroy a team. Mm
1: -hmm. You want to keep the motivation going. You don't want to destroy your team. And that's the difference. Yeah. So I had another question for you. Do you think candidates should be their authentic selves in an interview?
0: That's such a good question. I believe in authenticity. But in interviews, I don't believe you should be 100% authentic. And the reason why I say that there is certain things that you should keep to yourself. Now, a lot of people might not agree with me there and say, oh yeah, but you're just being a fake version of yourself. Okay, I understand you 100% when you say that. It requires less energy when you're just being yourself. That way you can then just focus on the work. But the reason why I say don't be 100% authentic at an interview is because being 100% authentic means sharing your political views, sharing your personal opinions when it comes to diverse matters. These are things that you should really keep to yourself. Remember, you're there being interviewed for the position as a staff member. You're not going on a date to find out if If you're going to have a life partner, so keep certain things to yourself. Would you agree or would you be like? "Mm." I mean,
1: I agree. You shouldn't share personal opinions because it has nothing to do with the role. You're interviewing for a specific role. You want to come across professional. I'd like to show a bit of my personality because that is going to come out at some point. And I don't know if you've heard this research, but according to Total Jobs, 62% hide their true personalities during interviews. My concern is if you hide too much of yourself and then you get comfortable in the role and they start seeing that side of you, is that going to go against you in terms of you passing your probation and all that jazz that comes along with it later on, if they don't like who you are?
0: I can understand it. And it's it's a very great area, what Mm. we're talking about here, right? Because everyone's going to have their own opinion in this matter. When I'm out with my friends, they know I'm a very jokey person. I just love to have fun. I love the banter. Am I going to go into an interview and be the same with the person that's interviewing me? No, especially when I'm interviewing for a senior role. I'm not going to act that way. So this is why I say you can't really be 100% authentic. You do have to sort of strip back to what is the core requirements as a person being recruited for that role.
1: I mean, one thing I don't seem to get rid of, even in interviews, is that I'm a bubbly, happy-go-lucky person. So that, I would never be able to strip away. That is me. And they'll always see that. And if they don't like it, then I'm not the right candidate. If they want someone really serious, then you should go with that type of person. I'm serious, but I have a, a bubbly personality. And that's something I can't change.
0: To be honest, that's probably a great personality for someone to have within their team anyway. So if a company doesn't want that around, then there's something wrong with the company versus you. What I'm talking specifically about is banter in itself that you would have with your mates. You kind of don't want to bring that into the interview environment.
1: Or profanity, which you highlighted before.
0: Profanity. I am someone that can excessively use profanity when I talk. So obviously I need to strip that back. Other things that I've seen at interviews, which I've actually stopped interviews midway, was when someone got so relaxed, they were being 100% authentic by making derogatory comments. And I'm like, I'm not going to have that in the team. If you're silly enough to come to an interview and make a derogatory comment, then A, you're gonna ruin my team and B, evidently you've got no self-control. So God knows what you're gonna end up doing to embarrass the brand of the company you're getting recruited for. And
1: that's one thing people need to keep in mind is you are an extension, your representation of the brand. So when they're recruiting you, that's what they're looking for as well. Absolutely. Another thing I wanted to bring up is if someone's lying in an interview, can you notice that?
0: Most of the time. The funny thing is, I I have a lot of friends who've gone to interviews and they were like, yeah, but you know, I told them I know this and I know that. Yeah, if you're being interviewed by someone who actually knows the industry inside that or knows the role inside that, specifically someone who's worked their way up from the ground, you can't bullshit them. No matter how much you think you've done a great job at lying, they know. And if you're lying to them before you're even recruited, nine times out of ten, they're not going to want you around because the trust is gone. Um, what's it like for you?
1: I mean, it's the same. If I notice someone lying to me, I might go or I might question them further. But I'm like, you lied. I know you're lying because I know this really well. And usually it happens with you ask them a stat or some of the numbers. And they just throw something out, then I'm like, "That, yeah, if you've worked in this area or this channel, that's not correct. And you think you can get away with it, but you can't.
0: I've got a follow up question that I'm very interested in there, which is if you know they're lying during the interview process, do you pull them up on it then and there?
1: It depends on my mind frame at the moment. Sometimes I'll let it go and sometimes I'll push forward and ask more questions. What about you?
0: I would pull them up on it. But only if it's on a one-to-one basis. If it's a panel interview and there's other people in the room, I wouldn't. Because I'm not fond of embarrassing anyone. I don't believe in that. But if it's on a one-to-one basis, I'll literally say to them, look, I know you're not telling the truth. I don't need you to try and impress me by telling me fibs. I just want to know who are you? Even if you're not experienced in that area, can you do it? Are you willing to learn? So let's stop all of this and let's have a proper one-to-one discussion. That's what I would usually say.
1: And do you think they can turn the ship around at that point?
0: Absolutely. I've had people turn the ship around at that point. They've literally turned around and said, "I'm, I'm so sorry. It's just, I don't feel like I'm experienced enough for the role. And I'm like, that's fair enough. And I really appreciate you sharing that with me. But I want to know the true you. And are you willing to learn? A majority of the time, I've had the, I am willing to learn. I just need an opportunity and no one's given me an opportunity. And those individuals that I've taken on have been some of my best performers. In fact, I remember one of them even went on to win an award for the commitment and the performance. So, yeah. That's amazing. When someone looks you in the eye at, at an interview and they say that you, just give me an opportunity and I will prove myself. You can feel it. You can feel that they had a rocky road That they've climbed Mount Everest and that they just need to go a few steps further, but it's really getting to them. And they're just like, give me that opportunity and I will show you that I am the best at this. I've said that before in an interview. Have you? I remember when I was first going into an operational position and it was just after I met you, actually. (laughs) and i was like i need to start elevating myself in my professional life because i know you were working wonders in in your area and the owner of the company came down to have an interview with me because i remember calling them up and saying i know you have an operational role that's going And I'm really interested in it. I've worked for you for X amount of years and I think I am the right candidate. And he was like, okay, do you know what? I'm going to be in the area. Let me pop by and see you. And he came down and he said to me, so you think that you can be an operational manager? And I said to him, no, I think I'll be your best operation manager. All you have to do is give me a chance. And if you don't like me within a month or two, just get rid of me. But give me that chance and I'll prove to you I will be the best. And gave me the chance. Never look back.
1: Ah, oh, that almost made me emotional the way you said that. Oh, don't get emotional.
0: <laughs> but, I'm saying, well but I'm saying as an interviewer, mm-hmm. this is a tip for a lot of the managers out there or supervisors when you're interviewing someone. If your interviewee looks you in the eye and says to you, I am the candidate, I just need a chance. Take that serious. There's that little voice inside you, right? That will tell you whether that person's lying or if they're serious. That person will work wonders for you. I mean, what would you do if someone said that to you?
1: seriously consider it and think hmm if I genuinely felt that passion i would be like you know what there's potential why wouldn't I give them a chance
0: yeah now the flip side is that someone could have the passion but they might not have the work ethic Mm. and this is where you have to balance your decision making right if they turn around saying just give me a chance I'm great and then you look at their CV and in the last two years they've worked at six or seven different jobs you're thinking to yourself hmm all right let's talk about these jobs why have you worked in so many different companies in such a short period of time
1: what went wrong Exactly. And what did you learn from it? Yeah. That's what I want to know. What did you learn from all of these changes? Yeah. What about if the person was criticising their previous employers? How would you react to that?
0: It's funny, isn't it? Because most of us end up leaving our previous position, either because we want to grow within our role, we want to get promoted and we, we never got the opportunity within the company that we're leaving. Or we had issues with line management or colleagues or the working environment itself. So everyone's got some kind of grievance as to why they're leaving their previous role. But I don't want to hear that from a candidate I'm interviewing. What I want to hear is that they can be objective enough and constructive enough to say to me, I'm looking to move sideways in order to progress up because there's no opportunities versus they just didn't promote me and my line manager was like this or like that because that means the chapter's not closed. You're still holding on to a baggage of emotions. I don't want that being brought into my team where you're going to bring that negative energy, you're going to spread it like a virus amongst my team and ruin what we have going on, right? It's a waste of your time, it's a waste of my time and it's a waste of company resources and finances. If you're ready to close the chapter, The interviewer is going to know because you would be objective when it comes to answering the question, why are you looking to leave your current role? I mean, what's it like for you?
1: I mean, it's the same for me. I don't think I'd want anyone coming in and, you know, saying really bad things about their previous company because I'd be thinking, are you going to do the same to us? And are you that kind of negative person? I get it. When you leave a company and it ended badly, it's in here. But you also got to take the time to heal Before you start putting yourself out there, like you said, people can feel that energy. So try and make peace with it before you go to an interview. And if you are going to go interview and it ended badly, I've had this in the situation and it didn't put me off the candidate at all. I think she had a negative situation at work. And the way she explained it to me was there was a company merger and it created a negative or like a toxic environment that I didn't want to be part of. So now I'm looking for my next opportunity. It wasn't completely negative. She was being honest. The way she said it didn't come across that negative. So to me, I was like, yep, completely understand. Tell me more about yourself.
0: So it comes back to what I was saying. She was very constructive and objective in the way she told you why she's leaving her current company. And look, The interviewer is already aware that you're probably leaving your current role because there's a lack of progression or there's something wrong with the working environment or there's something wrong with the team that you're working with or your line management. They've probably gone through it themselves. Soon as you begin to explain the situation, they're already going to know what you're talking about. Leave the emotions out of it. This is where you will be judged on your emotional intelligence.
1: And that's a great point, actually, emotional intelligence. Would you not hire someone because they had limited emotional intelligence?
0: I think we all have limited emotional intelligence. Even after the amount of experience I've had, and the stages I've reached in a senior capacity, I still find myself growing when it comes to emotional intelligence.
1: Now, for our viewers out there who want to know more about what emotional intelligence is, I'm going to give you a bit of a definition. The ability to manage both your own emotions and understand the emotions of people around you. So the signs that you might have low emotional intelligence could be, i.e. you struggle with building rapport or connecting with your interviewer on a personal level and showing enthusiasm and engagement. expressing ideas clearly or getting a point across a habit of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time oblivious to emotional cues from others and the tendency to fixate on mistakes instead of learning from them and moving on and apparently only 36 percent of people have good emotional intelligence
0: the thing is if you're someone like me right i wear my heart on my sleeve So when it comes to emotional intelligence, it is one of the areas that I regularly work on developing because unfortunately, when it comes to it, I am quite deficient i don't know what your emotional intelligence is like but i will i would think that your one is actually very good
1: there's always room for development and i think if i look at how i was 10 years ago to now there's definitely been a level of growth
0: based on some of the experiences we've both had and if i weigh up you're very calm and collected when things are going against you in a malicious manner from a company whereas i think i'm more like i'm on the attack i want you to know i'm not gonna go down without a big fight whereas you're like i will stay quiet but i'm working on things in the background and you don't need to know what they are until the the right time comes
1: yeah i'm quite patient that way And and i try and like also give people and even companies the benefit of the doubt i don't want to see people in the worst possible way i want to give them a chance and i do give people chances but once you hit a nerve and that there is a point that it reaches that there is no going back after that.
0: Yeah, whereas I think because I've been heavily involved on the HR side of stuff and I've seen how it's sort of dealt with and what happens, I'm kind of like, no, you're not going to play those silly games with me. I won't stand for it. And I want you to know it is going to be a head-to-head clash.
1: I actually do admire that about you though, that you do set clear boundaries and you make it very clear where you stand. And I, I do need to get better at that.
0: It's only because I'm a very fair person. Like if I have a pay query let's say, and the payroll department screwed it up on their end. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Just make sure it's sorted out for next month. And then if they don't sort it out for the following month, then I take it to the next level. And if they don't sort it out by then, then obviously that's a grievance. I've got this process in my head that i always follow that sort of keeps me in check when it comes to setting boundaries because what i'm saying is i appreciate that mistakes happen i appreciate that you have a process to follow but i now want you to appreciate on the third occasion you're you're not taking the piss so i need to take it to the next level
1: agreed so coming back to interviews and emotional intelligence how can a candidate demonstrate they've got good emotional intelligence
0: they can demonstrate it by the way they answer questions they can demonstrate it By being able to be objective and constructive with those answers to hold back emotions if they don't like a certain response how do they respond to that because an interviewer will test these things with you what do you think
1: So, if your interviewer asks you a question and you're like oh i don't really know how to answer this don't feel like you need to respond straight away you know take a moment uh, take a deep breath, or if you've been offered a glass of water or, or a cup of tea, take a sip, think, and then respond. And that is a way of showing you've got good emotional intelligence because you know how to stop yourself from going straight into the answer.
0: Yeah, I feel like if you can really manage silences during the interview process, then your EQ is phenomenal. Because the moment there's a bit of silence, most interviewees shut down, right? The words escape them. Their throat starts tightening up. They start getting a bit sway. Because managing silences is probably one of the most difficult things you can do, especially if you suffer from performance anxiety, which I would presume majority of the world does because you're not sitting through interviews on a day-to-day basis
1: yeah i think when you're in that situation where it's quiet your brain's like oh my god i wonder what they're thinking this is going really bad what should i say let me just throw something out there because i don't want it to be quiet yeah (laughs) and then you end up saying the wrong thing and then you're like ah i shouldn't have said that in those moments if it's quiet and they've asked you a question you're not sure just take a beat so another way To demonstrate that you've got good emotional intelligence is when you talk about your failures in a graceful way. And when I say that, I mean, you know, talking about it confidently and what you've actually learned from it. So if your interviewer asks you what your weaknesses are, then you can talk about that positively. You know, this is the area that I'm developing and this is what I'm going to do about it. So it's just showing that you're aware of the situation and how you're growing from it. What do you think, Chase?
0: First, I don't agree with weakness. It's areas of development. Just because they're not strong in that area now doesn't mean that they won't be strong in that area further on secondly fail means first attempt in learning and we all have to go for it in fact you probably learn the most important lessons when things go wrong there was a famous saying, i forgot who said it where someone had made a major mistake and it cost the company a couple of million and they were asked oh i presume you're going to get rid of this person they said no why would i Because I would just end up hiring someone else who might make the same mistake, whereas the person who I've already paid a couple of million pounds to make a mistake is going to go and work for another company and take that learning area with them. No, I would much rather keep them. That's very important for a lot of leaders and managers to know is that if someone's coming to you with the knowledge from mistakes made or learning because they've had to develop in certain areas that's a great piece of asset
1: Mm -hmm. that's really positive i think so as well i think where i would have a concern if i was interviewing someone and they said i have no weaknesses i've never failed at anything i'm like "Mm, i don't believe that because no one's perfect number one And number two, you're not self-aware. So how can I trust you to develop and learn from your mistakes?
0: That's an example of someone who thinks they're coming across as being confident, when in fact they're coming across as being maybe someone who's a bit ignorant and arrogant at the same time.
1: Exactly. So something to avoid. Another area would be when you're in an interview, make sure you're listening intently. Now, I don't mean... You know, looking in them in the eye and really focusing on them. What I mean is when you're having a conversation, actually be present. Listen to what your interview is saying. And the way you can demonstrate your listening is you could say, oh, the point that you made earlier just wanted to add. That shows you were actually listening to the person. What do you think, Chase?
0: Don't be scared to ask questions back to your interviewer. If you can turn the interview process into a conversation, even better. Most of the candidates that I've interviewed ended up turning it into a conversation got the job pretty much straight away because so I thought to myself oh, I was great I, I really enjoyed talking to them because did you know 86% of interviewers suffer from performance anxiety themselves?
1: I didn't know that. Yeah. That's really good to know, actually. So, yeah.
0: Unless your job is to conduct interviews on a regular basis, because you're doing it for the first time, and if you're not good with, say, public speaking or delivering presentations, Mm -hmm. you're going to suffer from some kind of anxiety.
1: And just because you're a manager doesn't mean you're confident with speaking with new people. You might not enjoy it yourself.
0: Yeah, I mean, it depends what your role job description is, right? You could be a manager, but you're not having a lot of interaction. Mm -hmm. Like You might be managing one or two people, so you've got this friendship with them because you've been working together for X amount of years. But then when you have to interview someone new, you're frazzled. You don't know what to say. You suffer from the anxiety.
1: Exactly. So another way you can demonstrate emotional intelligence in an interview is through behavioural questions, which your interviewer will most likely ask you.
0: So, give us an example of a behavioral question, AC.
1: The question could be tell me about a mistake you made at work and how did you handle the situation? Chase, how might you answer that question?
0: With any question, I would always use the STAR framework, which is the situation, the task, the action, the result. So, the situation could be a sales person not hitting their targets and then them getting pulled up it by a line manager now then you'll move on to the task which would be
1: so you might have a meeting with the directors to discuss uh, you know what you could do to resolve this situation
0: and then the action itself would be the actions that you took to resolve that situation so it could be regular meetings with your team to ensure that they're hitting set sales targets within the kpis it could be Putting together a live tracker that's monitored on a daily basis. And then we move on to results, which an example of the results for that AC would be.
1: So if you've delegated all the tasks and you're working really well with your team, then you could say we increase sales by 80%. Yeah. And that would be a way to demonstrate that it's actually made a difference.
0: Absolutely. So always stick to the situation task action result and you can apply that framework to any question that you ask. Now remember, there's specific questions that most interviewers will ask you. They'll just ask you it in a different way, right? So it'll be some kind of problem solving question. Some kind of behavioral question there'll be a whole bunch of them and i think what we'll do is we'll put a download link of all the different types of questions you can expect to be asked at a interview
1: I think one more thing I wanted to add to that, actually, in this situation, because we're talking about emotional intelligence. Yes, they're interested in the the numbers side of things and what you did. But what they actually want to see is that you can learn from your mistakes. We need to make it clear that you've actually learned from your mistakes.
0: As much preparation as you do, try and gauge the interviewer and respond in accordance to what you see them nod into. Talking about nods actually, AC, you know my favourite psychological twist when it comes to speaking to someone is the principle of nodding while you're saying something to get them to just physically agree with you even when they don't. So you say, hey AC, how are you doing today? <laughs> Making
1: me nod. <laughs> yeah, make, it,
0: make you make you nod. Try it with your family members, try it with your friends. It's actually quite interesting. When you're talking to them, just gently nod while you're saying stuff to them. And what you'll find is probably after about ten, fifteen seconds, they'll start nodding with you. That's when you know you're connected. That 5G is right there. Give that a go. It's, it's quite a fun little game to play with.
1: Nice. And then moving on to the last part, which is asking questions to your interviewer. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Show that you're interested in them. I mean, Chase, do you have any favourite questions that you ask in interviews?
0: No, it really depends on the conversation I'm having. Um, I don't go into an interview thinking to myself, oh, these are the questions I'm definitely going to ask. Because I actually want to be present in the conversation as well. In the early stages of my career, yes, I used to have a set amount of questions. I would say, oh, I want to ask them about the company or I want to ask them about their leadership skills or things like that. Now, I just pretty much go with the conversation. And at that moment in time, if there's anything specific that I want to know, I will ask it. Because sometimes if you over-prepare, then you risk going into the interview to just respond for the sake of responding.
1: I agree. I think in those situations, let the conversation flow And if you feel like there's a question you could ask, like you could say, oh, you know, um, you've talked about how great the culture is, you know, what have been your highlights in this job? And I think that's a nice way to ask a question back so you can really understand if it's the right company for you.
0: One of the main areas that I feel like we should kind of expand on, but I know you've got it scheduled predominantly for the next episode, but let's briefly touch on it now, is anxiety when it comes to interviews, specifically performance anxiety. I think a lot of people suffer from that. And like I said earlier... A lot of interviewers actually suffer from that as well.
1: Well, did you know 93% of people suffer from interview anxiety? Oh, wow. It's quite big. It's the second thing that makes us most nervous after public speaking.
0: Kind of makes sense, actually, because I know having conducted so many interviews, a lot of people do come in extremely nervous. And to be honest, on many occasions, I actually have to stop the interview and say, look, take a breath, relax. We're just having a conversation from one person to another. Don't even think of this as an interview. Just to get them to calm down. I've even had a few people who came close to passing out. Have you ever experienced that where you're interviewing someone and they nearly passed out because their anxiety was triggering them so badly?
1: I mean, not to that level, no. (laughs) But I've seen loads of stuff on social media.
0: I mean, it's actually quite scary as an interviewer when you're staring into the eyes of the person you're interviewing and then all of a sudden you can see that it's starting to fade and then they're a bit wobbly and you're like, whoa, okay, okay, no, no, calm down, calm down.
1: I don't want to have to call 999.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Suffer from it myself. For me, it's public speaking really gets me. I get the clammy hands. And I know we have some great little tips and tricks to help people, but that's coming in the next episode.
1: Exactly, but we will touch on some of this in this episode. So I came across a video on TikTok where Sally shares
2: how she feels after an interview. I just had an interview that I completely flopped. Going into it, I was super confident, not nervous at all, and actually kind of excited. I get on the Zoom, and right away, I feel my throat close up. This happens to me from time to time. I know it stems from my social anxiety. Usually I just drink some water, and once I start talking, things flow. Not today! My breath was stuck in the upper back part of my throat for about 10 minutes, I kept pausing to take a sip of water, but it didn't help. started getting into my head, thinking I was making things super awkward. And let's just be honest, I probably was. Anyway, after those 10 minutes, I was able to talk more clearly. But it still felt like I was having two conversations. One conversation was out loud with the person that was interviewing me. The other was with a voice in my head, telling me that I had already screwed everything up. The overwhelming thought that kept coming into my mind was, this person's probably wondering how I've ever gotten a job speaking in front of clients. Honestly, I just felt really defeated and like I let myself down. I know everything's gonna be fine and things happen for a reason. I just get really frustrated with my brain and my body sometimes. Oh, that's a shame
0: it is the voice in our head is the little child within our soul that's screaming and shouting at us because we're getting them to do something they don't feel comfortable doing and this is where emotional intelligence is actually key because it's how you manage the little child deep within you to calm down relax and just to take it step by step and i think a lot of people struggle in that area and predominantly you can tell the people who have got a lower eq because that little child takes over the whole body and you see it come out in full display in front of you where they will leave the interview halfway or they would start screaming and shouting at you because they didn't get their way oh nurture it love it don't hate it all of us have that inner child that little voice deep within us that tells us off or getting it to do stuff it doesn't want to do learn to live with it learn to understand it and what you'll find is that your emotional intelligence will significantly improve over time and remember this is not something that you can resolve overnight a lot of movie productions and Disney videos when we were younger made us believe that things can be resolved within a short period of time it takes at least 100 days for change to really take hold old long as you work on it on a day-to-day basis i think simon Sinek made a very valid point in one of his speeches once where he was talking about someone who goes to the gym like you can go to the gym work out for two hours you come back you, you look at the mirror and it's still the same person but if you go to the gym every single day 20 30 minutes like he said you'll see a difference after some time so yeah it's the same with that that little child that inner voice deep within you keep working on it every single day when it gets triggered why when what occurred and then try and change little things probably speak into it I don't know have you had much dealings with that inner voice
1: oh yeah my inner child's always going crazy mm. I have to have conversations with it on a daily basis I have to check in and say why are we acting up why are you making us feel like this mm. we're a team it's gonna be okay if we do this you're going to see the difference. And I think in these situations, sometimes even if you don't feel comfortable doing something, you need to do it. That is a big sign for you to do it. Because once you do it and you succeed, or even if it's a failure, it doesn't really matter. You've done it. You'll remember that feeling. And you then you can remind your inner child later on, if they act up again, remember that feeling that we got. We did it. We can survive. We will be okay. You'll find that you'll start getting over those anxious moments quicker.
0: It's the small wins that pile up into a major change. Our little voice we call ours tweedy we even have a little uh tweedy teddy that we use to display our emotions to give it some kind of physical presence and we say now now tweedy i know you're not best pleased about this but you're gonna do it like for me i have uh, a fear of falling and i've had to improve my emotional intelligence to get over that what did you use yours for
1: i used mine for when i had to do a performance recently and i really didn't want to do it well i wanted to do it because i put a lot of time and effort into it but my inner Tweety was like oh what are people going to think about me i'm going to get judged what if we fall they're going to laugh at us it's going to affect my reputation and then i had to have that conversation and saying "Tweety, it's okay you're not perfect no one else is it could happen to anyone Let's just do it. Let's have fun. Like, this is this is a moment that you're never going to get again. You know, leave each moment like it's your last moment. And then you'll start thinking differently. It doesn't matter what happens. Just go out there and have fun. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't matter because you learn from that and you'll do better next time.
0: That inner voice, that inner Tweedy is so intelligent that they know how to convince you not to do something. Mm, exactly. So you need to just remember how to combat it small wins stack up to a big change
1: on that note did you know that there's five types of anxiety
0: i had no idea actually
1: we're actually going to cover that in part two of interviews okay but to end this episode i actually wanted to talk about how us as recruiting managers can actually make the candidate's life a little bit easier so there's this video i wanted to share of a situation where someone didn't cope so well in an interview
2: I interviewed a candidate once for a job that was so nervous. I thought I was going to have to call 911. I'm not even kidding. I, I thought he was going to faint. I, I, I saw on his face this, this sheer terror. I reached across the table. I put my hand on his forearm and I said, you know, let's just stop for a second and take a deep breath. I just want to remind you this is just a conversation because I was so afraid that he was going to just fall right over. I understand that interviews are anxiety producing. They are incredibly stressful, especially if you've been unemployed for a while and you really, really need the job. It's gonna make you even more anxious, even more nervous. So here's the one thing that you need to do in order to manage your anxiety in interviews. You need to practice.
0: I would agree with that. Like I said earlier, I witnessed that on a few occasions myself. And I was like, whoa, don't go down that road. I don't need you fainting. (laughs) But yeah, practice definitely does help. I completely understand when individuals do desperately need the job as well. There's that added pressure. You kind of just need to take a step back and say, if it doesn't happen, you'll get it on the next one and just keep going.
1: I think one thing that companies can do is train their managers on how to manage and deal with anxious candidates.
0: I agree with you 100%. I think that's a fantastic idea. And to be honest, the benefit of that is you're more likely to end up hiring someone. That's probably right for the position as well, because a lot of candidates are overlooked because their anxiety gets the best of them. So doing something like that might actually help you win over talented people and not only that retain them because they think to themselves wow this company really cares about how they make their employees and staff feel Mm. because if you're doing it at an interview stage you're already on a win-win with them.
1: Yeah I mean I've had a candidate that interviewed so badly but they actually turned out to be one of my best employees.
0: I've had a few of them.
1: Yeah and the way that you can get around that is just making them feel relaxed in the interview like smile at them talk to them get to, try and get to know them on a personal level it's almost like the interview started earlier but it's very relaxed and I, that's how i feel if someone makes me feel relaxed then they're going to get more out of me
0: and don't be scared about being creative with resolving such problems i had a candidate who was so nervous in the interview room that i said oh how about we go across the street and grab a coffee and have a conversation and that's exactly what we did and like you said earlier ac turn out To be one of my best hires.
1: So, in part two, we're gonna discuss how to prepare for your interview, how to answer those interesting questions that might come up, and how to deal with your anxiety.
0: Yeah, tips and tricks that might actually help you. And to be honest, one of them I use on a regular basis myself. Me too. Thank you very much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Interviews. Now, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and like and share. You may end up helping someone who needs that assistance to win their interview. Now, in part two, don't forget, we'll be touching on preparation. We'll be also looking at potential answers you can give to questions asked regularly at interviews. And to finish off, tips and tricks to get over that performance anxiety. Ooh, we all suffer from it. Till next time.